Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Backing down a lefty hook, takes it in! With your host, Callius Anderson, stuffed it down behind his head. Sekou Smith, the tipping is good at the buzzer. Now it's time for the tip. Your host, Sekou Smith, along with my fabulous co-host, live from New York City, Lang Whitaker. Fabulous. Fabulous co-host, man. <laughs> Jet setter, taking the... Taking red eyes all over. I mean, how are you, man? I know you're a little gassed. You've been in uh, L.A. for a couple of days. I'm good. I mean, it was it was nice to go from 18 degrees to 82. <laughs> I got off the plane. I had on my coat and my gloves and scarf. Did you bring my can of sunshine back? <laughs> I went, no. Thanks. I Appreciate got off the that. car this morning and got off the plane this morning. It was freezing. <laughs> it was great. Well, uh, episode 40 of the Hang Time podcast Uh coming to you here lang what were you doing out there i mean you know you don't most people don't pop to la you know for a weekend unless they're high rollers man what's the deal i was working on a story for slam mm-hmm. an upcoming cover story and uh Give us the it was a good weekend to go out there because the lakers and the clippers were there and actually they i i, I realized today i probably should have stayed for today because there there's a double header at the staples center today <laughs> yeah you kind of left the day early didn't you yeah, but I got to see the Lakers Clippers. That was, you know, you've probably been to it. I had never been to a Clipper home game at the Staples Center. Really? I, yeah, I've probably oh, been wow. to, I don't know, dozen games or so at the Staples Center in the last 10 years because of the finals and, you right. know, all that stuff. But right. I'd never been to a Clippers home game mm-hmm. at the Staples Center, which was, it was interesting to see just how different the Staples Center looks, <laughs> even though it's the same arena. They like the lighting's different. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a, they they change the colors. The court's different, obviously. So you notice it, the it color kinda, of the seats. Like I never noticed it during the Lakers game that this what color the seats are. Yeah, they do the well. I was looking yesterday how the lights like during the Laker game. It's really dark in there, and they mm-hmm. put just the lights on the court. And then during that Clipper game yesterday, it was a little Clipper home game, but they had the lights on throughout the arena, and it makes it look like a totally different facility. Yeah. Well, I, I've been to. Not only have I been to uh, several Clipper home games in uh, over the years, I've been to one of those Lakers Clippers, and I guess I should say Clippers Lakers because the Clips always play the opening game. But I've been to one of those days, like on a Sunday, when they'll have a Clippers game at like noon, and yeah. the Lakers play later. And those are those are fun days. Um, yeah, you know, you catch four teams 
in that arena at once. Um, what what do you make of the the end of that game? Between the, you know when when Lamar Odom got a little chippy with uh, Blake Griffin. I like the Baron Baron's description. And Baron said there was a lo- there was just a lot of lollygagging. <laughs> so nobody thought there was really going to be any fist. I don't fist think cups, so. Huh? It, it happened right in front of me. And, I mean, you know, the, I think if there wasn't five seconds left in the game, nobody would have gotten thrown out. Right. You know, but and the game wasn't over already. But um, yeah, I I thought you know one of the interesting things a lot of the the people were asking Barron about it. The LA media was asking Barron after the game about how, you know, if Blake needs someone to 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 kind of stand up for him, no one thought it would really be Barron. But <laughs> uh, but Barron Barron got up in there right away and was like, "Hey, you guys don't mess with my guy." What do you think of the Clippers' chances of you know kind of getting this thing right and and maybe chasing the playoff berth? I know a lot of people have, it's probably premature in a lot of people's minds to be talking like that. But you think you know say. Melo gets moved and Denver slides down a little bit. You think they got a chance to? The Clippers got a chance to climb up in there and do something. They've got a. They've got a. I mean, what I, what impressed me yesterday was when they were moving the ball on offense. I mean, LA couldn't keep up with them. Yeah. Um, not just in not just in the fast break, like in the half court. You know, they did a really good job. I thought of they would find a guy, drive, penetrate, kick, dish, drive, kick. Like they, they especially second half, they, they looked really, really good. So, and I think they've kind of turned the corner from where they were earlier this season. Um, so I, I, I don't know if it's too early to count them out. I mean, there's, there's still half a season to go, but um, they dug themselves a pretty big hole they got to get out of now, though. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. I, I like the idea of both of those teams in L.A. being um, playoff teams. I, a few years ago when the Clippers and the Lakers were in the playoffs at the same time, um, I tricked my old employers and let me go out there for like, phew, I must have spent eight days, nine yeah. days in L.A. because they were both in playoff series. And so one team was, you know, on the road. The other one's at home. The other one, you know. So I ended up staying and catching about, you know, four games, I think, in a, about a week and a half's time or maybe about a little over a week's time. And uh, it's I love the the energy swing between the Clippers and the Lakers games like you know, that Lakers crowd they, they, it takes a lot for them to be impressed <laughs> you know whereas the Clippers man it was like a college atmosphere where they, their fans were up on their feet and I think they were just so happy to be in the playoffs you know they would have cheered anything I mean you could have thrown a you could have thrown a sock race out there on the middle of the floor at halftime and they would have been loving it so <laughs> imagine if they played each other in the playoffs oh I, well there was a chance if both of them had won the series they were in that they would have played yeah, and uh, the Nuggets lost, of course, and I mean not the Nuggets, but the uh, Clippers lost, I think, to the Nuggets, uh-huh. and so it didn't happen. But uh, but that, just the you know just the anticipation of that had a lot of people fired up, um, you know, because I guess it's like the the clip. If you're a Clippers fan, you're kind of the new school cat, you know. You're the, you're ignoring tradition and rooting for the underdog or the upstarts, and right. uh, you know some people get into that, so. I was talking to, to Brian Shaw actually about how basketball in Los Angeles is so important because, I mean, that's got to be the biggest market without an NFL team. Yeah. And, you know, the Lakers have been so good for so long now that they are kind of like, I guess, the Yankees are to New York City. That That's what they are out there. And, um, and, and so basketball, is, it's probably more important in L.A. than it is in a lot of other cities in the U.S. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's definitely a a, a unique situation. Um, look, before we go any further, Lang, I, I I need to make you aware we have 
good friends of the program who have been emailing me and sending me messages on Facebook that uh, I may have neglected to send all of them to you, but we need to shout them out here on uh, episode 40 of the Hang Time Podcast. Uh, a good friend of the show, Kiwoo Kim in South Korea, says that we get him through his drive to and from work every uh, week in Korea. So big shouts to him. Uh, in Seoul, South Korea. And then we got another friend of the, of the show, Jai in Australia, says that uh, the podcasts are much loved down under, so they wanted to give us a little love, so we give it right back. Um, and I don't know, do you get do you get plenty of feedback from people as well? I do, I do. I don't. I haven't gotten as much uh, international feedback as you. You're yeah. like the <laughs> one-man UN. Global but, baby. Uh... <laughs> We're global Langston. I get a lot of, it, it's slammed too, we get a lot of emails from Australia. I always have on Slam Online too. Mm-hmm. I, I think the NBA in Australia is uh, is a lot more popular than a lot of people realize. Well, I, I was telling Micah this last week. I don't think we realize how big basketball is. Like, I get tons of emails and correspondence from people in uh, the Philippines. Like, I had no idea that that mm-hmm. that basketball had that kind of following in some of these places, which is awesome. I mean, I love it. I love the idea that. They we're not obviously not the only ones that appreciate the game. You know, it's people all around the all around the globe that are appreciating the game. But uh, to have them join us on the podcast, I think, is even better. That, that lets me know that you know we got some people out there that, that like what we're doing, and we we got to keep bringing it uh, because I took some heat when we took that week off right at the uh, end of the calendar <laughs> year. Man, I got I got some emails that were not so friendly. Like yeah. you know, who do we think we are taking a week off and you know get to work? So. Um, we're here. Yes, we're here. And uh, we got, a, like I said, we got a great show lined up, episode 40. Uh, we got a couple of great guests that will be coming on with us shortly, Lang. One other thing I want to ask you about, and, you know, we, we've talked ad nauseum about Carmelo Anthony on the show. Um, his This idea that the, the Nuggets are going to allow the Nets to sit down and talk directly to Carmelo. Uh, David Aldridge reported this. Uh, I think you might have seen it on NBA.com yesterday. Started kind of a firestorm about, you know, the wisdom behind a team letting their star player negotiate basically face-to-face with the team that they're trying to send him to. You you inf- you like this idea of, of the, the Nets cutting out the middleman and dealing directly with Carmelo? Well, it, I think if the Nuggets want to get as much as they can get for him, this is probably the best way, right? Don't I, you think so? Or? I guess. I just – I don't know. I mean, if – if you're if you're a GM, this is you know this is what you're here for, right? You're supposed to t- handle all this business. Yeah, but if you're also a GM, you know you, you you at this point, Carmelo's been dictating basically to Denver what's going on. I think and and I I, I, I hear what you're saying. It is a weird situation though. <laughs> it's, it's it's kind of strange to have a guy on one team negotiating with another team during the season. Well, I guess let's listen. Let's negotiate with with. The, the biggest team. Nice segue. Yes, let's let's negotiate with the biggest team in basketball right now, celebrating their fifth year anniversary this anniversary this week. The boys from the basketball Jones, Jay Skeets and Tash Milas, uh, fellas, how, how's the weather up there in Canada, man? <laughs> I don't think it's as, I don't think it's as bad as it is in the states right now. Well, I mean, that's snow, but you guys get a couple inches and everyone freaks out, right? That's why I was asking. I mean, we're still on red alert here in Atlanta after you know two inches of snow. I just wanted to check. No, red, it, it's, red alert it's beautiful. Is, it, yeah, red alert is white alert. Over <laughs> we're, we're, we're cool with that. Not a problem. <laughs> How you guys uh, doing, man? Well, we're doing fantastic. Thanks for having us on the show. Well, we've been we've been wanting to get you guys on here to talk not only about 
you know, the game we all love. But a little bit about the basketball Jones, man. You guys are moving and shaking for, what, five years now? Yeah. I mean, yeah, five years. Wow, that sounds are you really stunned? Yeah, are you stunned to hit to, for it to be five years? Sorry, say again? I said, are you kind of surprised how quick the time went, five years already? Yeah, we were actually, we were sort of talking about it this morning. We're, we're, we're obviously prepping for, um, we're going to do sort of a live show slash party this Friday to, to celebrate the big five years. And we were just like, whoa, where did <laughs> where did the time go? And sort of how did we get here now that we're at the Score Television Network and, and have, a, have a weekly show and get to do the podcast still and all that? It's uh, It's been very, very quick for <laughs> the amount of shows we've done. I mean, and you guys know, I, I heard you come uh, talking about it before we just jumped on the horn there with you about people getting mad at you that you weren't doing a week or taking. <laughs> A week off, and, yeah. and we know that feeling. So yeah, it's gone pretty quick, though. How did you guys? How did you guys get to this point? Like, or at least, how did you get started at this? Well, yeah, that's, uh, that's another funny part of it. We just we sort of had aspirations to to get into the media world and talk about ball. And uh, you know, our our producer, we kind of met up once one day, just randomly at a bar, and he's like, "Why the hell aren't we recording a podcast?" <laughs> and, and we're like, what the hell is a podcast? <laughs> what, what is that? So uh, it just it just started in his living room. Um, wow. You know, dogs barking all over the place. It was uh, wasn't a very pretty recording back then, but uh, you know, we got off the the ground there, and then you know, people started liking it on the web. So we went daily, and then eventually we went daily video, and uh, you know, started using some some humor to record skits, so people noticed us. Uh, you know, people in the in the Canadian media, and obviously internationally, we're getting mail from Korea and everywhere, and we're just like, okay, this can take off. So, uh, and then finally, a, a Canadian uh, media company here, The Score, uh, brought us on to sort of you know be their their basketball people on uh, on all their platforms. So you guys are kind of kicking the door down now in uh, in terms of basketball. I, you know, everybody knows they identify hockey as Canada's sport. Um, but I haven't been to Toronto a million times, you know, covering games. I know how passionate the fan base is up there. I actually uh, upset them this past summer when I made jokes about Chris Bosh coming back and getting the Vince Carter treatment and being a villain, um, which at the time everybody told me I was nuts and that Bosh was a, you know, a, a honorary son of Canada forever. I'm assuming things have changed <laughs> since the summer up there. Yeah, I mean, Chris Chris has a, does a good job of putting his foot in his mouth sometimes, I think. And uh, I, you know what? I was with you. I mean, I, I and I think I speak for Tass as well. We were big, big Chris Bosch fans. And I think what he did in Toronto, his time here, I thought he always put it on the For the most part, he always left it out on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he took this team pretty far with the talent he had around him at times. I, I thought he was incredible. And, and he, unlike Vince, who we sort of obviously had went through this before with, he, you know, he backed it up on the court, and 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 when and when things were going well, yeah, he was the guy. But but Chris, when things were going bad, he at least sort of manned up and said, "This one's on me." And I think that's where he differed from Vince. But then, of course, the whole sort of uh, the decision with the, with LeBron, and he obviously got lumped in there, of course, with the Heat and sort of how it just all happened. And then he starts saying that that he didn't have a great cable up here and <laughs> and just stuff like that. It made him a pretty easy target for um, Raptor fans who like you said, are pretty diehards, um, you know, and, and we don't let things slide too easy. We just, it's just a lot of fun to boo a guy, to be completely honest. It's part Twitter, of it, but, yeah, we, we sort of went crazy. Twitter killed Chris Bosh. I mean, if, 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 Vince, if, there, if Twitter existed when Vince Carter was, uh, you know, was, was leaving this city, I think we would have 
you know, vilified him like a hundred times as much. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. I think, you know, Bosch, like you, like Skeet said, like Bosch, Bosch did leave it on the floor. And, you know, I, I was always um, of the idea that, you know, Bosch is not a franchise guy, but at the same time, you know, you get behind your, your, your players and, and, you know, Vince Carter said he wanted out. He wanted to get the hell out. It's, it's, it's very different. Bosch actually, you know, he played his butt off until, until Twitter really, uh, really bit him in the ass when it comes down to <laughs> You know, we get a lot at Slam. We get a ton of mail from from Canada, both emails and and you know written mail. But what's what's like the state of the of the NBA in Canada now? Is it as popular as it ever was? More or less popular? Yeah, uh, I mean, sorry, you go ahead, Tess. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think we, you know we've been season seat holders for a long time, and uh, if you want to try to gauge it by um, by the fan base that shows up in that arena. It's, it's definitely dwindled a little bit um, in terms of, of just strict attendance because, you know, the house used to be rocking all okay. the time, uh, you know, through the Carter years and, and even afterwards for a few years. Um, so it has dwindled since then. It, it gets a little quiet in there and it gets a little aggravating. Um, you know, there are people sitting on their hands down in the uh, – in the suit sections there in the platinum seats. There's no doubt about that. Um, but, you know, like you said, Lang, like they, the, the fan base is, is still going pretty strong, especially on the web and, and all over the country. We have that uh, inferiority complex, you know, and, 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 and because, and because, you know, we're classified as a hockey town that we speak up a little bit more and, and we're pretty, we're a pretty loud bunch. So, uh, you know, there's no fear of, of the franchise leaving at any point, I would say. And, and and there's still, there is, you know, it's not like, you know, one of your American hotbeds, but, you know, you get on, on public transportation and there's people talking about ball. There's people talking about, you know, is Shaq in his prime going to be a better player than Dwight Howard in his prime? You know, it's still, it's still a rapid city for ball. There's no doubt about that. Well, I, I like that, uh, you know, you talk about the passion of the fans and I always tell people the trips I made to Toronto, um, they, and this is during the, the obviously the, when Vince was there, and certainly when Bosch was there, their home crowds were as good as you'd find anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't like, you know I, know, I know a lot of people have this idea that they go to Toronto and they step off the plane and they're in another world, and you know it, it's really it's just across the border. It's not like you've gone to the North Pole. Um, so I mean, I was always impressed with the. The, the reaction of the people and the crowds and the people you see around town even. Because um, that always surprised me that there were so many different people around town that were into basketball. Do you find that people who get into the basketball Jones are surprised once they realize you guys are not in New York or Chicago or L.A. or someplace that's considered a basketball hotbed when they find a show that's good that's, that's, that's from outside of the beaten pass order? Yeah, I think maybe at the beginning, um, though, you know, we're always dropping the A's and stuff like that, and I'm sure we're saying about really weird to you guys and stuff. Um, But, yeah, I think we maybe at least caught some people by surprise that they couldn't sort of believe that was just just basically two diehard NBA fans talking ball, uh, you know, basically every day uh, once we went to Daly. It caught a lot of people by surprise, but... Um, that, that's sort of, I mean, and you guys know this as well as anyone, it, it's sort of the beauty about it. Um, you get those emails from, you know, we're, we have this weird little fan base happening in Turkey for whatever reason. Because there's, there's just diehards in Turkey. And yeah. they, one fan hears a show that likes ball and he likes what he hears, and then he passes it on to his buddy and it sort of spreads like that. And that's, and that's definitely how our show, our show took off from the get-go. But 
Um, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm sure it surprised a lot of people, and everyone always asks us why we don't talk about hockey ever or that we're fake Canadians and we just say we can't <laughs> skate and we have bad ankles and stuff like that. So, <laughs> but, yeah, it caught some people by surprise. Yeah, the Turkish fan base is probably there because uh, I sort of resemble Hito Turgaloo, but I'm really, <laughs> I'm really trying to uh, garner some support from our Greek Greek fan base because there's a couple out there as well, not, not <laughs> okay. like two or three, no doubt. All right, Skeets, I remember you and I, or you were talking in Vegas at a Blogs with Balls about that was before you guys were on with the score and you were trying to sort of monetize, I guess, what you guys were doing. Yep. Um, now, now it happened. <laughs> yeah. How's it going? Like, what's it like being on TV and all this stuff now? Um, it's it's honestly phenomenal. I, I I know I can speak for all four of us here because it's it's Tass and I that are on the show, but but JD and Matt are two producers and and directors. Right. I mean, they they do a bulk of work and they help us write stuff as well. It was the worry when we wanted to make money, of course. Like, you know, look, we did it for a long time without getting paid. Four years, waking up at six, seven a.m. trying to do a show before we went to our day job. And it was still fun. That was the crazy part. We really did still enjoy it, and we obviously kept doing it for a long time without being paid. But the worry was when we came to somewhere like the Score, um, which is a national network here in Canada, is that they would want to change us. And, right. you know, Skeets, you can't say that, or you, you, know, you can't wear that, or whatever. The Score has been the exact opposite. They, uh, they very, I think, quickly realized, or at least they saw wow, this is why these guys are popular, the way they talk about the game, the way they just approach it from a, you know, maybe a fresh take or a, a humor take. Let's not, let's not ruin it. Uh, let's just try and help them get to a larger audience and stuff like that. So it has been, it's been phenomenal because it's, I think one thing when we used to do the show daily, we'd a lot of times go, oh, that would be a funny skit or how funny right. would it be if we did, you know, we, we made fun of Chris Bosch and did a Like a Bosch music video right here. <laughs> and we would go, Oh, that'd be cool, but oh, hey, I got to go to my day job. Uh, maybe on the weekend, and you know, and then the weekend rolls yeah. around, and and you're maybe hungover. So now that you get paid to do it and just put your your whole basically life into it, it's a lot of fun. It's really rewarding to to uh, hey, do you want to do that? Oh yeah, we can do that. So that's the cool part, and the score's been really, really helpful with that. So last year All Star Weekend in Dallas, the the video that you one of the one of the skits you guys did when you went around. And uh, and played around in the snow in Dallas. What what do you have cooked up this year? I'm sure L.A. basketball Jones. There's got to be some good stuff, you know, on on the menu for for All Star Weekend this year. Well, hopefully it's going to be snowing so we can <laughs> redo that. Uh, I, I mean, we we sort of we're we're good at adapting on the fly. I mean, we're going we're going to try and plan things out. You know, hopefully. Um, you know, talk to several players and, and, you know, hopefully get some one-on-ones with them and, and do some humorous stuff like that. But, um, I mean, as far as I know, we talked about it today, and it's usually we um, – this is a pretty bad plug here for our All-Star coverage. <laughs> but, but, you know, we've gone, we've gone to Phoenix and we've gone to Dallas and we've created eight to ten videos with sort of uh, coming up with ideas you know, on the spot, like we chased down Tony Parker at Subway, and uh-huh. and that worked out. We sung to um, Amari Stoudemire in, in Greek, and that worked out. And uh, you know, so we're gonna we're gonna you know find some players, and uh, I'm sure we'll you know we're, we'll do dunk or uh, jam session again, and uh, we'll, we'll find some things to do. Yeah, jam session. You can lock that one in. It's a running <laughs> thing now where Tass and I battle it out at jam session to see who can win the most events. That was for sure happening. <laughs> so you guys have. 500th show coming up and this is Hangtime Podcast number 40. 
So, I mean, I think Saker and I should be asking you guys for advice. What, what do we, yeah, what we, we need, need some pointers. Going? We could use a pointer or two. Well, wow. no, look, we we listen to the show when we can. Um, but you guys, do not need, you guys don't city? need any freaking pointers, I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> and we're... We're way over 500. That's the scary part. So now we're at like six. We're coming up to 666 here. We're going to have to do some type of uh, health team show coming up here in the pits. Um, but, no, the thing is, with us, with Tass and I, I know it was – we would stop if it wasn't fun. But very like very rarely, talking ball is, is always it, – it is always fun. We do it all the time when we're not recording a show. I'm sure you guys do the same thing. I know in the, in the Slam Dome and all that stuff. So – as long as you're passionate about it, still, it's you're, you're going to be fine. You guys will be. You guys are going to pass us soon. I can see it now. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask real quick. Everybody, uh, you know, has their their pet teams and pet players. I mean, I adopted the Grizzlies about a year ago. Everybody's, including Lang, wonders why. Um, and everybody knows about my infatuation with Luke Ridenauer. Um who have you guys adopted over the years? I mean, five years is a long time. Who who have become, you know, the the players and teams that you kind of keep an eye out for, no matter what? Well, I guess currently I'm a I'm a big West Matthews guy. I can't. Uh, I saw I saw the potential in him last year, um, and I knew those numbers that just weren't indicative of, of how hard he played. So I was uh, I, I, I knew he wasn't overpaid when he got that contract. So him and the Blazers, I think, you know, as a franchise that doesn't die, it's kind of hard not to <laughs> sort of jump on their bandwagon. And uh, they kind of have, you know, they have a real Raptors fan base. It's kind of like a Raptors fan base. Like, you know, they don't, they don't give a crap. They don't take, a, take any guff from anybody, you know. So I, I kind of I got on that, that fan base a while ago. And, and for me, the Suns are always... Uh, you know, they they still hold a, a place in my heart. I was just watching. I, I think they held held the Knicks off, and I was I'm excited for them to get rolling again. So those are my probably two teams other than uh, than than crying with the Raptors every year. <laughs> and this is where, of course, I have to point out that about four or five years ago, when we just started the show, um, and they never let me uh, get away from this, is I I I don't know. I must have been hungover or something. But I said Jason Maxiel would be an All Star before Danny Granger. Um, <laughs> So I never hear the end of that one, um, but I've, I would guess I'm a huge, obviously being Canadian, gigantic Steve Nash fan, always have been. Um, so I do like the Suns as well, or wherever he's going to be at if he if he does eventually move. And I'm a big I'm a big Spurs fan at heart. I uh, soft spot for George Hill, uh, one of my favorite players in the league, and uh, and Matt Bonner, who Tass and I Tass got to do a funny video with them there once where they mm-hmm. made subway sandwiches basically and. <laughs> And he's just a, honestly a really cool guy. So we've got a chance to hang out with him in the summer. So I would say the Spurs would be my, my pick after after the Raptors, of course. Was there a moment you guys have had where, I think probably all of us have had this, where at some point you're like, you're, you find yourself in a situation, you're like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. You know, like it's sort of a way of validating that what I'm doing is working and, and or this dream is coming true. Yeah, we were talking about that, Skeets. I think uh, we, we had that. We, somebody asked us that. It was a Toronto Star, a national newspaper here. Um, mm. what, what was the response? I forget. It. There, and then we were both like, "Oh yeah, I forgot about that moment. That was definitely it." Uh, well, I mean, it could have been. It could have been our 500th show, yeah. which was our live show last year, where we we stepped out on right. stage and we're like, "Jesus, 200 people are here." You know, it was, it was it was just a packed house, and it didn't matter how many people were there. We're like. 
you know, 200 people from the Toronto area are, are here, uh, and it's going to be even bigger when we do it this Friday. Um, and, you know, it, especially, you know, stepping off the stage that day and, and people like, you know, 35 year old female who's like, you know, I don't, I don't know who the hell you guys were talking about when you mentioned this basketball player, but you guys are funny and, uh, you know, I'm going to watch your show from now on. It's like we kind of, you know, transcend into, um, you know, the sort of, not that we're household names by any means, but um, that, you know, people who, who don't really like ball uh, can, can, can uh, sort of latch on. And I think that was it for me. That yeah, that, that's by far the best, I think, when people are like, you know, I, I used to be a big basketball fan. I sort of fell out from, fell out of it. And then, uh, you know, I saw this thing you guys did on the score, and I was like, what's this all about? And I came over and sort of got hooked on the show, and now I'm finding myself watching games or checking box scores and stuff like that. So that is always cool when you either bring guys back or people back into it um, or just even spark the interest in the NBA is always cool. Um, the most surreal moment, I think, though, with a player was when, when um, we got a chance at the, uh, I guess, was that last year? Yeah, last year's All-Star game in Dallas at Jam Session when we got a chance to do sort of a little one-on-one with Kobe Bryant. And yeah. Jam Session was going insane. As you can imagine, Kobe walking through Jam Session. I mean, kids, you know, moms, like just people. It was like He's a rock star. Um, and then, you know, Tass got a chance to do a, a little, like, very, you know, five minutes one-on-one and just thousands among thousands of people just surrounding watching it happen well i was just like what is going on here like how did we get into this situation so yeah that was phenomenal we had, uh, there was one woman who was like he just touched my arm he just touched my arm <laughs> and you know another woman who's like i can't believe i didn't wear my kobe bryant jersey and wearing this, <laughs> this stupid jersey i don't know what she was wearing i think she was wearing a dwight howard jersey but uh, i mean i you know just you know being around the, the arena i never seen anything like that you're right it's a good point you brought that up it's like it felt like michael jackson was in the building yeah <laughs> yeah and, and like people coming up to tass after tass had talked to him for five minutes going what was he like like what did he smell like like you know like asking like tass was all of a sudden a celebrity just because he had somehow known uh, kobe yeah it was pretty surreal uh, that's sweet that's sweet listen one last thing i know you guys are busy obviously we're not gonna hold you all day but you mentioned nash Gates. Is what's the what's the fairy tale ending to this story? And I and I'm guessing it has something to do with the Raptors and Nash. But t- tell me how you guys see this thing unfolding because none of us want to see Nash go out without chasing a championship at least one more shot. I would imagine. Where, how do you see it ending up for him? Yeah, I'm definitely in the uh, free Steve Nash camp. Um, <laughs> if we're gonna get that that Twitter hashtag going again, um, uh, and it would look honestly, I wouldn't. It'd be cool to uh, to be able to go see Steve Nash for 41 times out of the year if he played for Toronto. I wouldn't even want that <laughs> with the Raps right now. They're not nowhere close, of course, to a championship. It, right. To me, it, it is that. Like, I would love to see him in these last couple of years for sure. Just to, to be on a, on a team that could challenge for it again uh, and make a deep playoff run. And I think we'd all agree that's probably not Phoenix again this year. I know they made that little Cinderella run last year. No Amari, of course, hurts. So... I, the, the funny part is we, we talked about this on the television show uh, just last week, or maybe it was the week before even. We're trying to come up with trades to even get them on a, you know, on a contender, and it's, it's pretty difficult yeah. um, in, in two ways. Of course, making contracts work and, like, why, like why the Suns would maybe do it. But then it's also, like, fit-wise, too. You're like, yeah. you can't just sort of throw a player like Steve Nash on any team, and you wouldn't want that, you know. Like, you wouldn't want him as an eighth or ninth guy. We're still right. talking a great player here, so... It's just a tough. So I mean, I, 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 I would love to see it though. I would love to see him have a couple more years with a with a chance for a ring for sure. 
And just to, just to add on there, listening to, to Steve Nash the last couple of years, it's not like he would be extremely angry if he doesn't attain that championship. Not to say that he doesn't want one. Obviously he does. But, when you know, he's, he's comfortable, I think, um, playing it out in Phoenix um, and not demanding any sort of trade. Uh, I know he's only got one year after this year, so maybe, you know, who knows what happens after that. But he, he's a pretty pretty relaxed guy he's he's said before like you know some guys just don't win it and you know we worked our butts off a lot of things didn't go our way uh and and, you know he is one of the biggest competitors in the world but i don't think he would be he's not he's not the kind of guy to go out he's not going to go to phoenix front office and say hey get me out of here i I just don't see that happening and uh i I think he signed that extension for the reason of of staying with uh with phoenix and you know now they're getting it going again I don't know. I'm jumping on the bandwagon. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I feel like, you know, maybe they can squeeze it out. Maybe they can get in the playoffs, and there's no way they're going to do anything. But at the same time, like, I think they can they can possibly squeeze in. And I think Nash, I don't know, Nash that kind of guy who he won't be angry about it. Yeah. This is my dream, uh, Taz. This is not Steve Nash's dream. This is my dream. Okay? Trade yeah. Free Steve Nash. <laughs> Yeah, I, I watched the uh, the Iconoclast on Sundance Channel one day. I'm just flicking around, and I see Nash and Ron Howard, and they talked about that very thing. And Nash probably articulated it better than any player I can ever remember in saying, he basically said, hey, I'm not going to curl up in a ball and, and you know and go crazy if I don't win a title. But that doesn't mean I'm, I'm happy with not getting one. I just understand that not everybody's going to walk away at the end of the day with one, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty impressive for him to be able to make that make sense of that. Mm-hmm. Well, he's Canadian, so. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right, Lang. Well, listen, guys, we appreciate you so much coming on. And, uh, again, the Basketball Jones, certainly our favorite show around here. Lots of other people around the world we know uh, love to check you guys out. And, uh we we love the updates on Twitter, all the funny stuff, all everything you do for the game of ball, man. We love it. Thanks a lot, guys. And we appreciate uh, appreciate you having us on. Absolutely. Good luck with the live show, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks. See you later. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. Micah, in four and a half years, we better be on somebody else's podcast talking about five years of the Hang Time Podcast. This is your job now. Yeah, you know, they were talking about last. monetizing the uh, the podcast. I was just wondering, like, wh- when are those Little Debbie snacks making their way over here? That's what I want to know. I have not seen a Little Debbie snack. <laughs> uh, Lang, Lang's the only person we know who snacked on Little Debbie's. I um, monetized it. Yeah. <laughs> but, those, listen, Skeets and Tass, they, to me, they they brought a different element to the idea of being a basketball fan, Lang, because they opened up avenues – you know, like humor and satire, even like just some funny off yeah. the beaten path stuff that it, it invites other people. And they mentioned it a little bit. It invites people who are not diehard stat crunchers necessarily mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, things like that. It invited some other people into the game that maybe wouldn't have have jumped in and, felt you know, fallen in love with basketball. I'm, I've been at this a long time, maybe not getting paid to do it. But, I mean, I've been in love with basketball for years, you know, since I was 10, 12 years old. I mean, and not everybody right. falls in love with the game as early as we do. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, when I, I remember when I was a kid watching Inside Stuff and, you know, thinking, wow, this, this is a pretty – I mean, I, I, don't know how, I don't know how young I was, but I remember mm-hmm. thinking it's kind of cool. This show is it's a little bit more like something I would be interested in. Right. And I think they appealed to a certain audience too. I I also think it's just cool that they're 
from Canada and, and you know, we talked about it a little bit with them, but the, the NBA audience there is, is just rabid and people in Canada love basketball. It, it always, I mean, we get as many emails from Canada as we do from the United States at slam. Sometimes, um, people up there are really in love with the game and they, they do a great job, um, of making it fun to watch the NBA, I think. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't realize in, until I started doing the Hangtime blog uh, on NBA.com, I didn't realize how many passionate Canadian basketball fans there were. And I had a little idea. Cousin Doug Smith, who was, who was one of my yeah. best and oldest friends that covers the league, every time I would be up there, I would talk to him. And – we refer to each other as cousin, you know, jokingly, but, like, I would have emails from people in Canada giving me the business, like, well, Cousin Doug says, you know, and I'd be like, I can't believe this this huge segment, you know, the population is up there keeping tabs on, the, you know, the Hawks or whoever, but they're, they're out there. And then I, I had the uh, pleasure of upsetting them this past summer, like I said, and uh, it started the, a firestorm. So I, I'm I'm very respectful of our – of our friends and fellow fans north of the border, man. That's, that's very impressive. Glad to, glad to have those guys on the show and uh, glad for, for five years of them doing what they've been doing. That's very impressive. Um, again, since we, we said we're going to have a, a monster show for episode 40 of the Hang Time Podcast, I couldn't help but enjoy somebody taking a, a nice little dig at our friend Charles Barkley from TNT last week. Uh, Jenny Carlson, a columnist for the Oklahoman in uh, Oklahoma City, she brought up a good point. Charles Barkley made a promise, Lang. He he promised the people of Oklahoma City after he gave them the business a few years ago that he would get out there and show his face in Oklahoma City. The Lakers and Thunder are playing tonight in L.A., so he couldn't do it tonight. But Charles owes them a visit. And uh, and right now, Jenny Carlson of the Oklahoman is here joining us now on the Hang Time Podcast. We had to ask Jenny... What what made you what made you open this can of worms and go at Charles like this? Because it's fantastic stuff now. Well, you know what? It, it's it actually surprised me that it had been five years. I have to admit, when uh, we were looking back, it was like, golly, it doesn't seem like it's been that long ago. But uh, obviously, you know, Oklahoma City had that little delay in having a team here after the Hornets left before the Thunder came, and um, you know, I think that it it really wasn't top of the head sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But you know, now that things are going great and you know obviously he's got a team that Oklahoma you know he knows about Oklahoma City he's, he's commenting about them on a regular basis and uh, you know we haven't been sitting around waiting for him we got other stuff going on around here for goodness sake but hey if he wants to come we'll show him a good time people here know how to be hospitable they'll take care of him he'll have a great time why not come on Charles let's go I like that <laughs> Uh, Jenny, this is Lang Whitaker from Slam Magazine. I, I've actually never been to Oklahoma City myself. Hey, um, I, I could be—I could invite you. You could make a promise and come before Charles. I'm, I'm gonna—I'm gonna make it there this season. That's one of my goals this season is to get down there. Awesome. Um, what, what is if Charles makes it down there? What, what do you want to? What would you like to see him do? <laughs> 
Well, you know, I, I think that he, I think he would really enjoy a game. First of all, I mean, obviously, uh, the Oklahoma City Arena has become known as one of the really fun locales in the NBA for a game. Um, great atmosphere. It's too bad he didn't come last week when TNT broadcast uh, the Magic uh, game here because honestly, it wasn't as good as the Lakers series was a year ago. But the atmosphere was fantastic in the arena, and it turned out to be an awesome game. But uh, you know that atmosphere it's it's really really good um on a regular basis so you got to come to a game first of all and then you just got to check out the city i mean i I think it i'm not a native of oklahoma city i'm a transplant myself but um this this city has transformed itself in the last decade or last 15 years and it's not the place that it was when i moved here and it's definitely not the place that charles thinks it is or (laughs) thought it was i don't know if he still believes that or not but i mean we it's a great downtown it's it's really a fun place to be on a game night, which you know you have to come for a game. If you go, if you come to Oklahoma City, you always have to go see the the, the bombing memorial. It's such a, a moving thing, and, and that's something that actually the Thunder, when they have new players and new personnel join their team, they always make sure they go there. So he would experience something that you know every guy on the team has experienced. That that's sort of must dos, and you know then of course we have to get into some of the local haunts for you know either barbecue or fried chicken or you know something that's sort of you know native to Oklahoma. We, we'd figure out some good eats for him. There's no doubt about that. I know he would like that. Come on. <laughs> well, he's on the, you know, he's dieting a little bit now. He's, he's you got to give like that up if you to. come here. You got to <laughs> leave that behind. That, forget about that. Well, I've I've had the privilege of uh, being in that arena and visiting that city more, on more than one occasion. I was there when the Hornets were playing there mm-hmm. after Hurricane Katrina, which was a very unique atmosphere. I, it was kind of a cliche thing where every one of us beat writers from another town that came through there. We had to write our obligatory. Oklahoma City, you know, embracing the team. It's a college atmosphere type thing. But then when the Thunder come from Seattle, that atmosphere kicked up, it seems like, a couple notches. And and it's maintained. I mean, it's a consistent deal where you go in there and the opposing team gets that vibe that, hey, this is not an average arena. This is a different experience. And do you do you feel like everybody that comes through there for maybe the first time understands that after they leave? Yeah, you know, I think it, it for a while it was just sort of like, hey, this is this is a new thing and and that's why the environment's the way it is. And and honestly, you know, I think back to that first year with the Hornets and, you know, even for even for the those exhibition games, it was, you know, you'd think it was end of the regular season. I mean, now it's a little more chill. People understand, hey, it's just an exhibition game. <laughs> But I don't remember who it was, but one of those early exhibition games, you know, people are going crazy. And one of the opposing players, I just remember him kind of looking around going, why are these people yelling at us? It's it's an exhibition game for goodness sakes. But yeah, no, it, there's no doubt. It, it obviously, I think with with the, with years and with time, Oklahoma City NBA fans have become more seasoned and more veteran in the way that they approach games. But still, it's very much that sort of collegiate feel. You know, people stand at the beginning of the game. They don't sit down until the Thunder scores a basket. Um, you know, they they get loud and they you know they really enjoy uh, you know sort of making that home court uh, atmosphere that home court advantage so you know I think it's I think it's one of the things that um, you know maybe at first even Oklahoma City people didn't truly appreciate how much that meant because now you know I know that I do and I think other people do too you watch maybe more games than you know you used to before the NBA came here and you see these arenas that have really good teams playing in them and there's not a lot of people there and you know you just begin to understand that hey having a full arena for you know, maybe games that aren't necessarily the high-profile ones and then really kicking it up to another level when a great team comes to town, 
that doesn't happen everywhere. That's not, that's not, uh, it's definitely the norm in some spots, but it's not the norm everywhere. You guys also, it's, it's helped, the, I'm sure it's helped the, the atmosphere there that you guys have a great team to cheer for. <laughs> uh, what's, uh, how are the Thunder, how have they been playing lately? I know they're like 7-3, and three. they had a little bit of a slow start. How are they playing lately? You know, I, I think that they're still trying to sort of find uh, some consistency uh, early in the season, definitely very up and down. I think part of that may have been because they had two guys that they were going to lean on pretty heavily coming off that uh, world championship uh, experience and Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, those guys playing, you know, a lot of games when, when they were with uh, Team USA. And honestly, I think that the Thunder sort of expected that, you know, they might have a little bit of a lag here and there, or maybe hit a wall that they weren't otherwise expecting to. But that's the kind of experience that you don't turn down. I mean, you don't say to those guys, hey, don't go get championship level experience. Don't go play in these games that mean so much. You know, it, they don't you don't say that you you say go and and we'll take the lumps where we have to but you know I think right now that the biggest question with this team is, is is can they recapture that defensive intensity that they had at the end of last year I mean about the first of the year uh, a year ago you just saw this huge uptick in the way that they were playing defense and it was I mean it was impressive the defense that they had now they're not the, the, you know they weren't the best defensive team maybe in the league but definitely um, you know playing defense as a team in a way that really frustrated a lot of opponents and we've seen that in stretches but we haven't seen it sort of the same way we saw it a year ago and Ron Adams the, the defensive guru who coached the you know coached that defense a year ago left in, in the uh, in the offseason is no longer around and I think we're seeing a little bit of that impact the fact that there's sort of not that guy that is that's his bread and butter and he feels so passionately about it on that coaching staff they've got good coaches I mean goodness gracious you know they've got Mo Cheeks who was a head coach himself sitting on the bench alongside Scott Brooks, who looks to know what he's doing, too. But defensively, I think there's still a question of can they recapture that same sort of play that we saw towards the end of last year? Because that's what really moved them from a team that looked like they were going to improve to a team that made the playoffs. Without that defensive kick-in, they aren't making the playoffs a year ago. And so, you know, can they kick it into the point this year where maybe they have home court advantage to start things out? Because to me, that would make a huge difference in moving the franchise forward, uh, give them a, a really legitimate chance to win that first-round playoff series this year. Yeah, Jenny, I, I'm curious. Serge Ibaka is a, is a guy whose name has kind of been thrust into the uh, conversation nationally now with his inclusion into the Sprite Slam Dunk Contest. Right. I, we love him, you know, around here because we love anybody with a, a unique name and who plays <laughs> as hard as he does and above the rim the way he does. What should people be expecting to see out of him when he's in L.A. and the bright lights, and the, you know, in that big stage that he's going to be on? Yeah, you know, he's a, that's an interesting uh, interesting thing because obviously for folks around here, there's not only Serge Ibaka involved in, in the slam dunk contest, but Blake Griffin is as well, <laughs> and he's a local guy, and clearly people around here know right. <laughs> know what kind of dunks he's capable <laughs> of. So I think there's going to be a lot of, of uh, eyes on that slam dunk contest. But, you know, I think Serge is, is a guy that, uh, you know, is really – you know, I think every day he's got a potential to make a step forward when it comes to growth. Um, but obviously, as athleticism, um, and, and when you talk about the dunk contest, I mean, it's really about being creative and then being able to pull stuff off. And, you know, I think physically he's got the ability to, to do a lot. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see what he does. You know, this is, it sounds like uh, we're, we're hearing talk out of, out of uh, the Thunder Camp that he's doing some practicing, which lots of times <laughs> these guys are like, I don't know, I'm not going to practice, even though you know they're practicing 
practicing. Well, here's a guy that's not only practicing, but, no, they're talking about it. So <laughs> I think he's going to have some fun stuff in store. And, you know, um, obviously Kevin Durant will be there, but then there's a great chance that, you know, some of his teammates are going to be around, whether it's for, uh, you know, being on that all-star roster with the possibility of a, a Russell Westbrook to, you know, that, that um, freshman, sophomore, rookie, second-year guys type of game. You know, uh, so they'll have some teammates around, which I think will, you know, kind of add some juice to it. Uh, you know, I think sometimes those guys want to impress their teammates more than they do anybody else. So I think he'll have fun with it. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be – there's a really good chance that there's going to be an Oklahoma connection to the winner of this year's slam dunk contest. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. So, Jenny, not knowing a lot about the history of sports in Oklahoma City, I'm just curious, <laughs> where does Kevin Durant fit into that? And, I mean, going forward, is is he the kind of guy that he, he could be – you know, that's who we forever associate with Oklahoma City and sports? Yeah, you know, that's a, it's an interesting question because, uh, you know, obviously uh, Oklahoma City is not home to either University of Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. Those are in outlying towns. But um, obviously this for, you know, decades and decades and decades has been a football state and yeah. by, by extension a football city. I mean, even though they're, neither the colleges are here, the you know, the passions run deep for football. But, you know, this, this NBA thing I think has really um, – you know, united people in a way that they haven't been before when it comes to sports. Uh, for a long time, it's been, you know, you're either a Sooner or you're a Cowboy, you're either Crimson or you're Orange, and now everybody's behind this one team, you know. And so I think, and especially in the fact that, you know, not only that, but Durant now with this with this deal he signed during the off season, looks like he's going to be here for a while. You know, obviously that could change, but if he, you know, if he plays it into that contract, you know, the, who knows what he may be in the middle of between now and then. You know, they're, they're likely to be more playoff appearances, could be playoff series wins, could be, you know, even grander things. So, you know, I, I think regardless of how long he stays, you know, beyond that contract or even, you know, uh, I, don't, I just can't see him getting traded anytime soon, but, I, you know, he's going to be in the middle of what looks like some potentially great years um, for this franchise as they move forward. And, yeah, I mean, I think that um, I think he does have a chance to sort of be in that forever conversation when it comes to to um, Oklahoma City and, and the sports scene here. Um, you know, there's a, a long tradition of, uh, you know, a variety of, of different sports, football being at the top, but other things too. But clearly when you've got a team that is Oklahoma City's own and a guy that – you know, was young when the team arrived and is really going to grow um, through these early years. I don't think there's any doubt, you know, that he, he will be central to, um, to, you know, sports in the scene in Oklahoma City for a long time to come. Uh, Jenny, you mentioned something really interesting. Our, our producer, Micah Hart, is a longhorn. So <laughs> when you mention Kevin Durant's name, he throws up the hook him all the time. You know, any time we even mention it. How, how hard was it for fans in Oklahoma to, to put aside Kevin Durant's, you know, nine months of classes yeah. in, in Austin and, and root for him. Well, uh, not only, you know, he didn't just take the classes. He he became indoctrinated because he throws up the hook and horns all the time. He's shown up As on, he should. He's, <laughs> he's shown up on sidelines at games, and he's shown up courtside at games. 
you know, at Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, he's not wearing crimson. He's not wearing <laughs> orange. He's wearing burnt orange, and he's hooking, putting up the hook of orange. So he is still very loyal um, to, to Texas and Rick Barnes and, and everything. I mean, he still goes back in the summertime and usually takes a class or two, works mm-hmm. out down there um, when he can. So, you know, his ties are still there. And, uh, you know, I think there were probably some people at first that were like, oh, yeah, really? <laughs> this is the guy? This is the guy? But you know what? I, I think the fact that – you know, he didn't, while he definitely took out, you know, took it out on, on the local teams when he was at Texas, mm-hmm. he didn't become necessarily a villain. I mean, I, there there are definitely some, some guys, when you think about, you know, Texas lore, um, that, you know, if they became the center, the central figure of a, a pro sports franchise here, there'd be people like, oh, uh, <laughs> no, no, can't do it, can't do it. But, you know, he didn't, he, he was obviously great, but I think the fact that he was there such a short time and, you know, really really wasn't seen as a dirty player, a bad guy. I mean, that wasn't ever his M.O., and for good reason. That's not, you know, who he is. I think now it's kind of like, well, okay, he'll throw up the hook of Lawrence, whatever. We'll just let it go. I think most people have come to, you know, sort of accept it. Because, you know, really the truth is, is that when he's asked about Oklahoma, the state or Oklahoma City, he he loves on everything about the state. You know, he he's never said um, a bad word that I've ever heard when it comes to the people here. You know, he always talks about how he loves it. It's easy to endear people when you talk about how much you love where they live. So I I think that I think that uh, people are willing to. Um, overlook what they would probably consider to be a massive wart <laughs> for Kevin Durant, and they love him all the anyway, so I think they're okay with it. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Well, listen, Jenny, we appreciate you so much coming on. We're going to pass along uh, your your fine column here to Charles <laughs> to make sure he knows exactly where everyone stands in Oklahoma City. He is uh, welcome to live up to his words and show up in Oklahoma City for a game. That's right. Hey, we we've got we've got everything from like an airport he could fly into. <laughs> you know, we've got hotels where he could stay, and you know, most of them have running water. So, <laughs> I think he needs to get here, check it out. Hey, you know what? If he'd wait just you know maybe like another month or so, we'll be out of the winter. He can come when there's no snow on the ground. It's not cold. We'll make it great for him. I even said in my column he could sit by Kevin Durant's mom. I think we could work that out. She's fantastic. She would love it. He would love it. It'd be a hit. That's that's good to know. And we you know what? We're going to even put Lang on the on the guest list as well since he's never been. <laughs> there I you go. Think, you know, we, maybe we need to go do a show from there. I think we do. Ooh, I think we do. We man, do it at the Brickyard. Man, they, lo- they love their thunder here, but they would love you guys too if you did that. Just know <laughs> you'd, be forever, you'd be forever loved here. That's good to know. Jenny Carlson from the Oklahoma. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, guys. All right. Take care. See ya. You know what, Micah? I know you. I know you have a, 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 a evil spot in your heart for the state of Oklahoma for all those, you know, seasons they dashed, all those Longhorn football seasons they dashed. But I do like Oklahoma City. The times I've been there, it's it's a cool town. I mean, they they got behind their their basketball team really quick, quickly. And uh, I, I gotta admit, I, I know it hurts your heart, but I love going. I mean, it's a good place to go watch a game. Well, I'll give them this, and and to her point about uh, them having sort of begrudgingly root for Durant, uh, I, I suppose I feel the same way about Blake Griffin. Uh, I mean, I'm not a Clippers fan, but I, I in theory, hate him because he went to Oklahoma. But you see a dude that talented, you're just like, you know what, I can't even, like, he's that talented he can override my hatred for everything related to OU. Lang, I had no idea you hadn't been out there uh 
either yeah, either totally when like, the Hornets were there or since the Thunder have been there. No, it's just weird. I, I'm actually I'm trying to go out there next month or, in the, or two months from now. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't. It's it's just random. You know, there's like weird places that I just randomly haven't been able to get to yet. Yeah. And so I'll get there. Yeah, that's a, that's one of the places. It just hasn't worked out for me. We got to take the hang time podcast. That's my. That's our next thing. And in addition to getting the five years in and uh, <laughs> six hundred plus episodes, Micah, we got to start taking this circus on the road, man. Lane, Lane, you can. I mean, no, but nothing's tying you to that studio, right? You can get out of there, right? We can do this on the road, huh? Yeah. All right, Little I mean, Debbie, need to step it up. Yeah, I mean we. I mean we got to start pedaling now. We're gonna have to do our organ grinder and the monkey routine somewhere to. Drum up some some expense money to we make these trips like, happen, uh, but we could go door to door and sell like, <laughs> flowers or something. To... We could sell Slam magazine subscriptions through the school or something. I mean, isn't that pull something out of what our about hat? The, what is what did the Smyrna Spartans sell when they need to raise you yeah. know, money for new helmets? Listen, and stuff? I don't, I don't want to get into how we come by our equipment and all that other stuff. That's something for the NCAA to worry about later. Uh, <laughs> We have we have a few friends of the of the program that help take care of all the bills. It's uh, all appearances on the Hang Time podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely get we definitely get ten cents for every mention of the Smyrna Spartans on this show, so that's good. Uh, Lang, you you had such a busy weekend in L.A. What do you got on tap for the rest of the week, man? Uh, I got to work, man. I got <laughs> <laughs> get some work done. I got a lot of work to catch up on now, so uh, I'll be working on that. And actually, the rest of the day, I just want to watch the games all day on TV. That's true. There's some some good games coming on tonight. Again, the Thunder we talked about earlier, and the Lakers are playing. Um, I'm gonna go home and and post up and watch some of this as well. This is a this is supposed to be a light week for me because um, I'm taking a few days off uh, of writing on the Hangtime blog. My man Art Garcia is filling in and doing a great job along with. All the rest of the writers at NBA.com uh, weighing in and doing a good job. But I'm going to sit back and enjoy basketball as close to a fan as possible this week. I'm going to sit on my couch and yell at the TV and uh, and watch all these games and see if I can't uh, just soak it up a little bit this week from afar. So we appreciate all of our guests coming on the Hangtime Podcast this week. Uh, Jay Skeets and Taz Milas from the Basketball Jones celebrating their fifth year. Congrats to those guys once again. And Jenny Carlson from the Oklahoman. Coming on and throwing out that challenge to Charles Barkley, who, hey, last I checked, we haven't seen Charles on the Hangtime podcast either. So if, if he wants to come here and rebut her before going to Oklahoma City, we'd be glad to have you, Charles. Um, Lang, get some rest. I know you did the red eye deal from L.A. Rest up, my friend. I will talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Micah Hart, our super producer. Lane Krause, our engineer in there doing the business. Got his Syracuse T-shirt on today. He's repping his alma mater. Big shouts out to all of our friends around the globe. We'll see you next time on the Hangtime Podcast. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. Be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And for more of Lang, visit SlamOnline.com. You can follow Seku and Lang on Twitter at SekuSmithNBA and Lang with her. The Smyrna Spartans have yet to get on Twitter, but we'll let you know when they do. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.